Amen. You may be seated. As you do so, I do invite you to turn with me to the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 34 for our morning's passage. I will just say as you're doing that, I'm greatly appreciative for Matthew for praying um, on behalf of our family. I didn't expect nor would have asked you to pray for a husband quite yet, but um, we'll deal with that when the time comes. Maybe my prayer of Jesus returning will override his. We have reached the portion of our Advent season where we are on the final Sunday prior to the Christmas Sunday. And this year for Advent, we've been looking at various Old Testament prophecies. Uh, We've been looking at passages that um, foretold who Christ would be and what he would come to do, uh, making the note that it shouldn't have surprised anyone. Um, We only have four Sundays of Advent, but we could preach for many, many, many Sundays the prophecies concerning the coming of Christ. Uh, And we've looked at various accounts from uh, Jesus as conqueror in Genesis chapter 3, the one who will crush the head of the serpent. Um, We've looked at Jesus as wonderful counselor, almighty God, everlasting father and prince of peace from Isaiah chapter 9. We've also seen Jesus as a ruler and a prince of peace, one who will discipline his people in love according to Micah. And today we will see Jesus as the good and true shepherd from Ezekiel's words. And we do need to understand during the time of Ezekiel's writing, uh, the people of Israel are in exile. Uh, They are in exile for ultimately rejecting their God. They had allowed rulers, they had put people in place uh, in leadership over them who did not trust in God. And they shouldn't have been surprised when those people did not lead them toward God, but rather away from Him. Writing during the same time as Jeremiah, their contemporaries, Ezekiel knows this, sees this as a problem as a fellow exile, and he writes to warn the people and to draw them back, draw their hearts back to God Himself. Ezekiel knew the only hope for this people was to trust in Yahweh. This is what's guiding the passage we will read today. We will be taking a look at the passage as a whole, but this morning I want to read just a couple of selections from Ezekiel 34 to get us a framework of what's going on. And so I want to read for us verses 1 through 11, and then I'm going to jump down and read verses 30 and 31. So 1 through 11, and then I'll jump down and read 30 and 31. Would you please follow along with me? The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord God, Ah, shepherds of Israel, who have been feeding yourselves, should not the shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd, and they became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered. They wandered over all the mountains and over on every high hill. My sheep were scattered over all the face of the earth and with none to search or seek for them. 
Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, declares the Lord God, surely because my sheep have become a prey and my shepherd have become food, or my sheep have become food for all the wild beasts since there was no shepherd. And because my shepherds have not searched for my sheep, but the shepherds have fed themselves and have not fed my sheep, therefore you shepherds hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, behold, I am against the shepherds. I will require my sheep at their hand and put a stop to their feeding the sheep. No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves. I will rescue my sheep from their mouths that they may not be food for them. For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I, I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. And look down to verse 30. And they shall know that I am the Lord their God with them and that they, the house of Israel, are my people, declares the Lord God. And you are my sheep, human sheep of my pasture, and I am your God, declares the Lord God. The grass may wither and the flower may fade, but the word of the Lord will stand forever. Would you please go with me to our Lord God in prayer and ask his blessing and guidance upon this time? Oh Lord, this morning we hear your word and we confess to you that we are like sheep that we are prone to wander, that we are in need of a good shepherd, one who will lead us and direct us and guide us and correct us and bring us back. And Father, we know in your word and through your word that ultimately that good shepherd is Jesus Christ. And so as we prepare to unpack your word this morning by the power of your Holy Spirit, would you lead us? Open our eyes and our ears and our hearts that we might receive your word this day and that by doing so we would be guided to the good pastures, to the clean waters, to the calm places of rest that can only be found in your loving arms. Lord, I pray over this time that you've given us and I pray all of this now in the name of Christ Jesus. Amen. Now it is important as we consider this passage Uh, that we understand um, one group of people that he's talking about. He again and again in this passage offers a rebuke to the shepherds. He he is rebuking or critiquing the shepherds of Israel. Now let's be careful here. He's not literally meaning the shepherds, the ones that were tending the sheep. Well, I say that, and he actually does say even the shepherds, so they were sinning. But when Ezekiel uses this word shepherd here, he's using it as a metaphor. He's meaning those placed in spiritual authority over the people of God. He's meaning the priest. He's meaning those placed in political authority, the rulers, the kings. He's meaning those who have oversight over others. And these are the people that Ezekiel is condemning. And so we're going to have a pretty bleak picture here of the shepherd in Israel. But at the same time, I, I don't want you to lose sight of that the title or the term shepherd in Israel often was a title of honor. We can think of one um, who was mostly a good shepherd. We can think of King David. We can think of him, one who did lead his people, and he did usher in a, a wonderful time in the life of Israel. To be a shepherd, to be a good shepherd, you were commanded to be brave, to be diligent, willing to endure the same conditions that the sheep faced, and also strong-hearted. 
Sometimes they had to face predators. Other times they had to go and look for sheep that had wandered off. David serves as a beautiful reminder for us of what this should look like. But sadly and ultimately, even David fell short of this biblical standard. Even he couldn't live up to that title, Good Shepherd. For just as a note, shepherds should never sleep with their best friend's wife, have him murdered, and then try to cover it up. Also, apparently, good shepherds should not take a census of their armies at the end of their life after God says not to. David could not live up to that standard of what a shepherd should be. But there is one who could and one who did, and that is Jesus Christ. And so while this morning I want us to consider this condemnation of the shepherds of Israel, at the same time I want us to use this as a template of what the shepherd should be. And as we think about that, I want us to see that Jesus Christ is that shepherd. He is the one that fulfills that title, that that command. He is the one that fits that mold, and he is the one that leads us even to this day. We're going to see this in various um, parts of our passage. So I do invite you to follow along with me. I want us to see, first off, that the leaders of God are called to care for the people of God. We find this really in the first ten verses, but more narrowly the first six. And Ezekiel has given us this picture. He's, he's listing the state of things. He is condemning Israel, but also setting the pattern. You're failing in this, which tells us this is what you should be doing. And so we see this kind of duality between um, you're getting it wrong and this is what it should look like. And we get a strong list here of what a good shepherd should be. Ezekiel is told quite plainly by God, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds. There again, the, the literal shepherds were messing up just as much as the leaders. Thus says the Lord God. And what did the Lord God say? Shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourself, should you not feed the sheep? You eat the fat. You clothe yourselves with wool. You slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. You see, the first indictment against uh, the leaders in Israel, the shepherds, were they were not feeding the sheep. In fact, the text tells us they were feeding off of the sheep. Think of this picture. To put this in your mind, you've got a shepherd. Their primary duty, if you're a shepherd, is to tend sheep, right? Well, if the sheep die, you don't have sheep to tend for. If the sheep aren't cared for, then you're not really, what makes you a shepherd? If you're a shepherd with no sheep, are you a shepherd? And that's what's going on. We can think of many places in Scripture where this is um, put before us in beautiful ways. I think of the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leads me to green pastures. He takes me to still waters. He restores my soul. There's this picture, there's this mindset of a good shepherd leading the sheep to places to eat. A a, a place of nourishment and refreshment. A, A place where they can get exactly what they need. Now, that's a a, a literal shepherd, but spiritually speaking, what would this look like? What are the leaders of Israel not doing? Well, there's another way we can consider this when we consider that the Word of God is unto us bread. The people, the leaders of Israel are failing to instruct 
to teach, to reprove, to correct, and to train the people of God in the Word of God. That becomes a much more serious indictment, doesn't it? It's, it's one thing not to feed sheep. It's another thing to starve the people of the Word of God. And that's what we see taking place. We, we think of, of, of Christ and His rebuke of Satan when He's tempted in the wilderness and, and Satan knows Jesus has been fasting for 40 days and, and he picks up a rock and he says, hey, Jesus, you can make this into bread. I know you can. Go ahead. What does Jesus say to him? Man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes forth from the mouth of God. Think about this. As important as bread is for the body, so is the word of God for our soul. To the point that Pastor John Piper will say, if you go through a day and you've eaten your bread and not read your Bible, you have starved. And it's a wonder you're still alive. The Word of God should be as important to us as the bread we put in our mouth. This is what Jesus says to Satan. And this is what the leaders of Israel were not doing. They were not feeding the sheep. And that alone is bad enough, but then we have to go through verse 4. Verse 4, we just get this like great big string of things that they're also not doing. So not only are they neglecting to teach them more to God, they're not strengthening the weak, they're not healing the sick, they're not binding the injured, they've, they're not bringing back the strayed, they've not pursued the lost, and they're pushing and leading and directing with force and harshness. Does that sound like someone who loves their sheep? Does that sound like someone who cares for those that God has placed over them? Let's put it in its bigger perspective again. The people of Israel, the leaders of Israel, especially because of their, their, their political and religious structure, they did have a lot of authority over the, the people. They had a lot of responsibility to care for them, not just spiritually, but also physically. I think of another passage in Scripture that, that tells us the importance of this in the book of James, James, brother of Christ, James 1.27. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. James, brother of Jesus, says that pure religion, true religion, is to care for those who have needs. One of the reasons I'm strongly and firmly Presbyterian and I believe in the offices of elder and of deacon, we have these offices to care for the needs of the people, physical and spiritual, to care for the whole person. This was, this was a responsibility to the priests and to the leaders in the, the time of Israel, and they were failing. But it gets even worse than that. Not, not only are they not feeding the sheep, not only are they not caring for the sheep, they're letting sheep go off. They're letting sheep wander away. And they're not going after them. I, I, in my mind, I picture, um, if you've um, seen any of the movies, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, either the original or the remake, and there's a couple of times that uh, the kids get into trouble and they're, we'll, we'll call it what it is, they're sinning. And um, they're like, Willy Wonka, you got to do something. And especially in the sequel, he, he looks up, no, stop, come back. And he's just half-hearted, like, huh, and lets them do what he does so his little oompa-loompas can sing a song about it and you can learn a moral lesson. Like, that's what you picture when you look at Israel's leaders. You, you, you get this sense from Ezekiel that they're just watching them go. Come back, please. Don't go away. I'll sit right here until you return. 
But they weren't called to do that. They were called to pursue the sheep, to go after the lost. Jesus tells us in a parable that he would leave the 99 to find the one. It's recorded in Matthew's gospel um, and elsewhere in Scripture. And we get this imagery that the Father in heaven, that the angels in heaven, they rejoice when that one is brought back. That there is a celebration in heaven when the one who is lost is brought back. That there is joy in the throne room of God. And yet, this is exactly what the leaders of Israel were not doing. And then lastly, we see they were leading them when they were leading with force and with harshness. There was not humbleness. There was not sincerity. There was not loving care. There was not sacrifice. There was force and harshness. There was this, you're going to do it my way or you're not going to do it at all and I don't really care what you think or what you need. Now, this is a pretty serious condemnation, right? You, you, you pray, and I've found myself this week praying, uh, Lord, don't, I don't need an Ezekiel. <laughs> Please don't send this for me unless I need it, and then send it for me. Like you, you don't want someone saying this over you where God says, hey, speak to them. Tell them exactly what I said. Write it down and give it to them word for word. You are a failure. <laughs> you are failing in that which I have called you to do. But at the same time, and I mentioned this at the beginning, we also see this as that model. So what is a good shepherd? One who feeds their sheep. What is a good shepherd? One who binds their wounds and cares for their needs and seeks the lost and brings them back and rules and leads with humility and patience and kindness. And so while we see this as a condemnation of Israel, we also get that picture of what it should be. And, and God doesn't leave it there. Again, he's not, he's not Willy Wonka. Oh no, please don't come back. We see in the second section, and really this could be one section, um, one through ten, that God condemns them, and then he proclaims judgment over them for that which they failed to do. And really you could, you could sum this up in verse 10. Thus says the Lord God, behold, I am against the shepherds. I will require my sheep at their hand and put a stop to their feeding the sheep. No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves. I will rescue my sheep from their mouths that they may not be food for them. You see, not only was all this going on with the shepherds, but they were also eating the sheep. Think about that. Your job is to shepherd sheep. That's your task. That's your goal. That's your purpose in life. And instead of doing that, you're just plucking them off and eating them. Well, simple math will tell you is that if you practice that long enough, you're out of sheep. And then you're out of a job. And so spiritually speaking, the leaders in Israel were taking advantage of the people. They were collecting tithes. They were lording over them. They were leading in harshness to get their goals, their points across. But they were not promoting more sheep. They were not promoting growth spiritually or numerically. And I'll just say, as, as just a quick aside, um, this passage this week sobered me up and, and made me very humbled about the role of leadership. If you can read a passage like this and, and not seriously consider that which is God, God has called you to do, you need to talk to me about it. And just so I'm not the only one convicted about this, um, in some ways we're all called to be shepherds. We all have flocks over us, particularly us men in our households. So you're in this boat with me too. You can't get out. 
But here he is talking specifically about the leaders in Israel, uh, the leaders of the church and the leaders of the nation. And he's calling them to task. The, the state is so bad, if you look at verse 8, God says it's so bad, it's as if there weren't any shepherds at all. How would you like that as, as, for God to proclaim that over you? You were so terrible at your job, it's as if you didn't exist. I can't think of a harsher rebuke. God is saying you are less than you are worthless. You're non-existent. And he's talking to a people, you know, this is it's written um, during the time of exile, during the time of Babylonian captivity. Ezekiel's in that captivity, and he's writing to a people that are lost, that are hurting, that are been cast from their homes. Their leaders have been killed or, or gone away. Um, they have run from God, and they would understand what he says here. God says it's as if his people, his sheep, have become prey for food and wild beasts. They've been scattered. This would have been a very real reality for them. And if we zoom down and we look at the Old Testament as a whole, we would continue to see this pattern. This really is an indictment of Israel across the history of Israel. We would see kings and leaders, nations and people who failed to lead the people toward God and either led them toward themselves or away from God. We'll see it in the split of the northern and southern kingdom. We'll see it as king after king, leader after leader, um, turns their own way, rejects God, rejects his teaching. And we see it as we, we close the Old Testament in anticipation and in waiting. Um, you've got the minor prophets saying, the day of the Lord is coming, the day of the Lord is coming, the day of the Lord is coming. And it doesn't get any better when we get to the New Testament, does it? We read of the Pharisees, of the Sadducees, of the Sanhedrin, the, the courts, the, the, the group of Jewish leaders and Jewish officials. And this very well could be written of them, couldn't it? They feed themselves. They get fat off of the sheep. They lord it over them. They, they govern in such a way that makes themselves look good. But they make little of God. They make little of God. And so really, this is a condemnation of all of Israel, of, of all of the people, particularly the leaders. But there's hope. There is hope. God does not leave them without a promise. God does not leave them in this state. Just like he doesn't leave the leaders in that state, he offers judgment upon them, and they would be judged. God does not leave us the sheep in this state. God promises a good shepherd. God promises a true shepherd. God promises His Son. And we really see this in the remainder of the passage. You can find it narrowly in 11 through 24. You can also find it in those final verses, 30 and 31. And I want you to note real quick the, the interesting shift here. In verses 1 through 11, you have failed. You have sinned. You have neglected. You have not done this. You have disobeyed. You have wandered. You have taken advantage. And then here we shift the pronouns. And just, just real quick, zoom through there. Um, I, I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. I will seek out my sheep. I will rescue them from all places where they've been scattered. I will bring them out from peoples and gather them from the countries. I will feed them on the mountains. I will feed them a good pasture and on the mountain heights of Israel. I will make them lie down, declares the Lord. I will seek the lost. I will bring back the stray. I will bind up the injured. I will strengthen the weak and the fat and the strong. 
I will destroy, I will feed them in justice. And you could keep going through here and again and again and again and again. God says he will fix that which Israel's failed to do. That which the leaders would not or could not do, God will do. And you see the opposites here. They grew fat, God will judge the fat. They didn't bind the injured, he will bind the injured. They did not help the sick, he will help the sick. They did not pursue the lost, he will pursue the lost. And how is he going to do this? How, How would this be accomplished? We see it in verses 23 and 24. I will set over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd. I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David will be prince among them. I am the Lord I have spoken. But David didn't fulfill this role. He wasn't that shepherd. He got close. We, we, there was a lot of hope, like he, maybe he's the one. What the Lord is saying here is that one of the household of David, one of his lineage, one of his family would be that one. Lord willing, if you're with us next Sunday, uh, we'll read from Luke's Gospel, Luke chapter 2, the birth narrative of Jesus Christ, and what is said of them when the time came for them to give birth. They made their way, well, let me just read it to you. Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Why? Because he was of the house and lineage of David. Jesus Christ is of the line of David. And you could go to the genealogies and you can see those ties being made. God would put someone on the throne in the lineage of David. It would be through him that this would come and this hope and this promise would be fulfilled. And I can't explain it to you any better. And and for the sake of time, I just want to read for you where we see this fulfillment. Um, Flip over to John chapter 10. If you get our, our Friday emails, I encourage you to take a look at this passage in anticipation to this service. John chapter 10, starting in verse 7. Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and go in and out and find pasture, food. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Protection. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is hired and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, see wolves coming and leave the sheep and flee, and the wolves snatch them and scatter them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. Jesus going after the lost sheep. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down, and I have the authority to lay it, take it up. This charge I have received from the Father. 
Jesus Christ is the one that Ezekiel said would come. Jesus loves the sheep. Jesus teaches the sheep. Jesus heals the sick sheep. Jesus pursues the lost sheep. Jesus gives up his life for the sheep. Jesus did what the leaders of Israel failed to do. Jesus and his coming provided exactly what the people of God needed. They need a shepherd who cared more about them than the shepherd cared about himself. And let me just conclude this morning by saying this, so do you and so do I. You need a good shepherd. You need someone who will not serve you selfishly. You do not need someone who will treat you unkindly. But you need someone who will pursue you, who will care for your needs, and that someone is Jesus Christ. Let me just say, if you but trust in Him today, trust in Him, you too can have what is promised here. A shepherd, a leader, a king, one who loves you, watches over you, and brings you back when you're lost, helps you when you're hurting, heals you when you're sick, and proclaims what you need the most, the bread of life, his own words. Look to the one true shepherd, and in him find peace. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you. We thank you that we are a lost sheep in need of a shepherd. We thank you that you have provided that shepherd. Lord, we thank you that you do pursue us, that your word does go forth, and it does not return to you void, but it accomplishes everything that you've set out for it. Father, I thank you for this day that you've made and the truth of it. I thank you for your word and ask now, by the power of your Holy Spirit, would you use it to transform our hearts and our lives, that we might trust in you, rest in you, that in you we might find peace. And we celebrate that this came to us at the coming of the Savior, Jesus Christ, our Lord. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.